Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday, Law and Gospel on this Thursday, May the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me will be Pastor Wes Reimnitz as we take a look at some more emails that have come in. Good day, Pastor Reimnitz. Good morning to you. I'm having a wonderful 33rd day. Are you? 33rd? Don't understand. 33rd day of the resurrection. We got seven to go. Oh. To the ascension. Okay. We're on the, 30, we're on the 33rd day of the resurrection. It's the Thursday. We got seven days before we go to the ascension. Oh, I see. Now, in my congregations, I often would have a Thursday night ascension service, but that's not a very common thing, is it? No, no. I tried it several times and finally had to go to a circuit uh, ascension service. Yes. Circuit meaning what? Well, uh, in the Missouri Senate, you get about eight, eight to, to nine parishes together and they form a circuit within yes. a district and a district into a synod. Yeah, that often happens also on Good Friday where the circuit will come together and have the various pastors give each of the seven words from the cross in 25-minute segments. So it lasts around three hours, which is the treor, the three hours of darkness of Jesus on the cross. But ascension can be another time for that. Or a lot of congregations just wait for Sunday and incorporate the ascension theme on that following Sunday. So right. we can do it in a number of ways. Okay. What we want to look at today is I was kind of... Uh, very interested in the Proverbs I had done on Tuesday, Proverbs chapter 20, and ran across a verse, verse 24 of Proverbs 20. A man's steps are directed by the Lord. So how then can man understand his way? Now, there's no doubt about that that a believer's steps are directed by the Lord. And we have a pretty good example of that from Jeremiah 17. Who's that talking about? Isn't that talking about Abraham and steps that he took under God's guidance? Yes. And what were the steps that Abraham was told to take? Well, he was told to leave the city that that he was living in and go to Canaan, and he would be promised uh, land and a great nation. Exactly. And it says in verse 8 of Jeremiah 17, I will give to you and to your offspring at the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. That is a promise that's given to every believer at their baptism. 
How, how is that such a promise? A promise at their baptism? Yes. Well, I, I think of it in terms of Colossians 3, keep your sight, sights on the things above where your life is hidden uh, in Christ Jesus, that uh, we're promised uh, life and immortality through uh, Christ uh, suffering and death. And that's because in the promises of baptism, we are told in the Pentecost sermon of both the forgiveness of sins and you will see the, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right. So this kind of follows in an email that you sent me that you had received from Shang Erleman, and he's a contributor to religious publications. And the title is it, How to Hear God's Voice to Know His Will. And he makes a very important point, is that when we are making decisions in our lives, we don't always have guidance from the Bible in a specific decision. For example, he says, we don't know who we are to marry. We don't know where we are to work because there is no instruction regarding his will on that specific topic. So, <laughs> excuse me, how do we know what is the right direction to follow according to the article? Well, he makes the point, if you're not in the word, the word won't be in you. Excellent. You have to outline God's specific will for your life, and he provides guidance through the, through the journey. And it kind of reminds you of Second Timothy 3, where Paul tells Timothy that all scriptures for learning for reproof and correction for training a person in righteousness. Yes. He, he says he's really surprised in this world today, how many people don't have a servant's heart, who don't apply the word, who don't spend time in prayer, who don't display humility, and yet they think the Spirit is leading them. And he gives a very good example that look how many people, when they get engaged to be married, they think they can start living together immediately, even before the marriage. Yeah. Now, right. what aren't they listening to? They're not listening to, obviously, to, to, to the word that's spoken to them. You know, kind of reminds me of many, uh, many weddings that a pastor out there would, would do, and the first thing he would have to do is lead uh, the couple through a confession of sins and an absolution before, because they'd been living together. Yes. In fact, remember, that was number one in Jesus' mission, namely repentance and then believe in the gospel. And repentance mm -hmm. is sorrow over sin because of 
that is the way we hurt Jesus. It's like re-crucifying him. And repentance means that we are sorry for that sin and ask for forgiveness. And then we hear the gospel. And what does the gospel say to those of us who ask for forgiveness? Uh, you are forgiven. Yes. So this is a really pretty good article uh, showing that a lot of people may hear the word of God, but they don't do it. And Satan's ultimate plan is to distance you from God. In fact, um, he indicates that there are five points regarding how the enemy plants thoughts in our minds. Uh, the first one is to doubt, which makes you question God and his goodness and his promises. In fact, all five of them begin with D. Do you know what the five are? Well, first one's doubt that you just mentioned. Discouragement makes you look at your problems rather than God. Yes. Uh, diversion makes you, the wrong things seem attractive so that you want them more than the, the right things. Then there's defeat, makes you feel that you're a failure so that you won't even try. And then there's delay, makes you put off something that God wants you to do so that it never gets done. And that is the sinful life. Doubt, discouragement, diversion, defeat, and delay. It's referred to in the article as the slippery slope of sin. A slope would be like you're climbing a mountain and it gets real slippery. Maybe it's made of ice and you just slide down the mountain because of these five Ds. And therefore, sin excuses wrong behavior. It prevents us from fulfilling the will of God in contrast to obedience that redirects us and brings clarity and joy to our lives. So we need to hear a familiar voice. And that familiar voice is something that we talked about recently about Jesus as a metaphor of being what? The good? Good shepherd. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a second oh. article by Marion de Blasio. And he talks about how do we refresh God's joy in our lives? And what he does, and I find this very interesting, is he kind of follows the Psalm 23 in talking about how joy can come back into our hearts. And this really follows very closely with the uh, other uh, email. This email is by Jack Graham, and it is entitled, Do We Still Need a Shepherd in These Modern Times? He begins Psalm 23 with, The Lord is my shepherd. 
And who wrote this one, Psalm 23? Well, he's referring to uh, David. Yes. Who, who went through some very angry times in, in his life. And, of course, David started out as a shepherd. Yes. He realized he needed a shepherd because he understood something about sheep that a lot of us still don't understand. That a, a, a sheep are funny creatures. They're sociable, but they're liable to wander off. They remember things, but a lot of times they roll over on their backs and they can't get up without assistance. That's why they need a shepherd. A shepherd who protects them. Yeah, In fact, he says, reminds, go ahead. Kind of reminds me, uh, whenever I would do Good, Good Shepherd Sunday when I was pastor in Indiana, uh, one of the farmers who was also a sheep herder, would, would uh, make sure that I came over for Sunday dinner with his family. And of course, we had lamb. But he would take me out to the barn and show me his sheep, and he'd be talking, and everything would be calm and, and, and uh, soothing to the sheep. But the minute I began to talk, they became disgruntled because they heard a strange voice. Yes. And that's what Jesus says, they hear my voice. Now, how do you and I hear Jesus' voice today? I would say through the means of grace. You know, grace, we, we talk about God's riches at Christ's expense through, through the word that he's given to us and the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. That's where he's been to be found. As, as we take our people forward. Yes. In fact, he really hits hard that first statement of Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He doesn't say the Lord is the shepherd of the world at large or leads forth the multitude as his flock, but the Lord is my shepherd. So that when our lives are falling apart, we can rest in God as our personal shepherd. He knows us better than we know ourselves, and he can and will restore us. But then he makes a second point. He not only restores us, but he also protects us. And that's what David writes in verse 4, which says what? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And when I think of the valley of, of, of the shadow of death, is in, in reality, death is always around us in yes. any different types of things that we see. And he does it by means of his rod and staff. There are two purposes for the rod and the staff. And what are they? Well, it was uh, the, the comfort. It was uh, you know, 
uh, no shepherd would be found without a rod and a staff. It was to protect and to guide. And a yes. rod can fend off a predator, and a staff can bring back an errant sheep. Yes, like sometimes if a sheep falls into a, a ditch or something, the staff, which can sometimes look like a big question mark, you put it around the sheep's body or his neck and pull him out of the hole. And a rod, of course, is used to protect him uh, against evil animals that would want to kill him. And that's what... You know, I, you know you've also uh, used the expression of the 99 sheep and the one that the shepherd goes off and finds that one. Right. And... The shepherd grabs the sheep and puts them on his shoulders and takes them back. And that's what, what uh, Christ does for, for us. Yeah, the article author talks about remembering receiving the horrifying news that his father had been murdered when he was 19 years old. And he remembers receiving also the devastating cancer diagnosis uh, later, and remembers the dark valleys of despair and depression. But God was with me in the midst of all of those horrible uh, events. I wasn't always aware of him, and I often questioned him, even became angry with him, but I know I wouldn't have made it through those things without him. So our shepherd is with us, even when our circumstances seem to say otherwise. Now, why do we know that when we take a look at our experience, it seems to say one thing? What is telling us the other thing? What are we relying well, on? Relying on a word, on a, on a shepherd, which is Christ. Uh, there is something that, that he, where he writes in verse 5, I prepare a table in the presence of mine enemies and anoint my head with oil, coupled with flow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We just know that uh, as we look back on events in our life, that uh, God's been there mapping out our directions all the way for those that love him. Now, a lot of times we may not realize that, but the reason we know it is because what you just quoted are called promises of the gospel. And so promises of the gospel trump our experience. Now, I, I know you play cards ex every now and then. What does it mean that something trumps something else? Well, you, to, to have a better hand than the, than the other person has. Yes. And we know we have a better hand. In fact, what do we have? We have the right hand of God. And what is the right hand of God? Well, it's like uh, a reminder of, of Joseph 
when he interpreted the dreams of the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh gave him the, the right hand of the kingdom to administer his kingdom of Egypt and right hand of God is God gave to Jesus to administer the whole world. And that right hand is now given to us. Jesus mm. is the right hand of God in our lives. And therefore, just as God has spread a feast for David, it wasn't because of anything David had done. What was it because of? Because God is generous and loving and fulfilling the promises that he had made to David and the promises that he makes to you and me. Yes. That's why in David's situation, it says that he entrusts his past, present, and future to his shepherd. What does it mean to entrust? Well, we don't know what the coming days hold, but in the shadows of death and long over, over us, we can ascend and we have descended into darkness. And like sheep, we stand on the earth hesitant to move forward, but the shepherd is leading us onward. It's just like the sheep trust this shepherd that will take them to the green pastures, that we trust that God based on the promises that he gave to us and fulfilled through us on the cross, uh, will do the same for us. So what I find interesting is that passage from Tuesday that a man's steps are directed by the Lord. That is if one is a believer. And therefore, what this verse is saying is that no one is autonomous. What does autonomous mean? Well, autonomous would be solely or only. Uh, uh, you alone act on on that. And as followers of Christ, we we know that uh, he, as we believe in his promises, that he's leading us in the, in every direction. It reminds me of uh, Psalms 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Yes, the word autonomous comes from two uh, words, auto and nomos. Auto means, you know, my own self. And nomos is the Greek word for law. So if you think you're autonomous, then you make up your own laws. In other words... You do not rely on God. You rely instead on yourself. And is that a problem that we're having throughout the world today? <laughs> Sin abounds. Yes. It abounds all over the place. And, and uh, the need for us to always get back into the Word. Um in Psalms 119 again, it says, Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. So, you know, we know that in, in the Lord we find strength or how sweet are the words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth are the words of the Lord. 
so that even though the Bible may not give specific direction in some areas, such as who you are to marry, like I couldn't find anywhere in the Bible where my wife's name Louise is mentioned and it says Tom should marry Louise. However, there were a number of principles that I believe the Bible talks about. And one of them that was very important, in fact, we talked about that in the Sunday school lesson that we also dealt with. And that was when Isaac was going to get married, what did Abraham make sure about Isaac's wife? That she was a believer. Yes. He did not want him to be marrying a Canaanite because many of them did not believe in the true God. And I don't know about you and your ministry, but a lot of times when there is, oh, things happening in a marriage that may even lead to divorce, it's always because there has been a lack of faith in the true God. And because of that lack of faith, that person will not be going to heaven, but they really fool themselves into thinking that they still are because they have become autonomous from God. They're going to follow what they want to do rather than what God wants them to do. Uh, exactly. It's, it was a painful thing to see when when a divorce would take place, and you, you know that that the problem was not resting on the promises of of, of the gospel. And yes, I don't know what people think yeah. they're talking about when they say, uh, "I'll marry you for better or for worse." Um, there's going to be worse coming along, and you have made a promise to still stay with your spouse. So thanks so very much for helping out with these various issues, helping people to learn, read the Bible, especially items like Proverbs, where we learn the will of God and helps you direct the direction that God's life wants you to go in. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.